Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night, November 16, 2016. Looking forward to a good night tonight. we got Bob Case going to be rejoining us. We haven't had a chance to talk to Bob for quite a while. And, of course, Anthony Davis uh, will join us also. And we'll catch up on a lot of stuff. And a lot of things have been happening since we all last spoke. We've had the, uh, the election results come in, uh, some stuff with the, uh, the SC football and just plenty of things to chat about, so it's always uh, always a fun time with those guys, and looking forward to having a chance to chat with them and, and catch up and get back to uh, where we were. Uh, we're going to take our first break and come back and get uh, Bob on the line. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, sponsored by HealthAndNewDay.com. Going to listen to one here from Alamantra, and this is called Move On. Back after this.
like to welcome back to the show our good friend uh, Bob Case. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, Keith. How about you, buddy? How's my awesome. ex, uh, ex linebacker, <laughs> cop, talk radio show host? How's he doing? Yeah, not doing it and doing real well, man. Always, always a pleasure to have you on. And for our new listeners who don't know, Bob, uh, he's had worn many hats. Uh, Vice President of International Boxing Association, worked with the Angels, worked with uh, Mickey Rooney, and and uh, as well as uh, Casey Stingle, and uh, always uh, and a big, big, huge supporter of the University of Southern California Trojans. So he's always happy to have him on the show and get a chance to get a little insight to the the rest of the world, man. So it's it's fun it's fun to chat with you. Well, it's always always a pleasure to be on your show, Keith. Believe me. Uh, you know what? It's been a while since we last talked, and uh, we'll, we'll come, we're going to cover a lot of different things tonight. But I, I want to pick up uh, a little bit where we left off. Though we left off the last time we chatted, uh, SC uh, football. Uh, they, they they I think they had lost the first two games, and and I think they may have won one by then. But uh, you know, the things were things were uh, off to kind of a slow start. But you you had a lot of confidence, a lot of faith, and 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 high high praise for Coach Helton. And uh, things are looking good, man. Well, uh, you know, the old saying, "cream always rises to the top." And uh, you know, I um, I think I mentioned on your show before. If you if people, you know, I I if Clay Helton was a stock, I'd buy every share of him I could buy, as I said before, and the same thing with Sam Donald, the quarterback. I'd buy, I, I would buy every share I could buy, and uh, I'd sell everything I own and buy their stock. And the thing is, I mean, the guys, you know, Dory Jackson said on national TV the other night, he said, faith, family, football, and they interviewed him after the game, you know, and they beat uh, the, the Washington Huskies up in Seattle. And uh, that's what players taught these guys, and they all—I mean, all these players. Believe me, I know a lot of them. They all love him and respect him, and more important than love him, they respect him. But they love him too. Yeah. They got his back, and it's—I have never seen a love affair. I mean, Clay. A lot of coaches—they eat at the Galen Center with the players after practice. They all go there. Coaches used to go in. All every coach I've seen since they built the Galen Center goes in, has one of his interns go in and get his food, and take it to the coach's office. Clay goes in there and eats with the players which is unbelievable and, and hangs out with them and talks to them and, and they respect him and like him. He's a mentor to them. He's a, a role model to them and how he lives his life. He doesn't just talk a good game. He, he lives his life the way he talks. So it's one thing to tell a kid, uh, you know, don't smoke cigarettes and I see a pack of cigarettes in your glove department. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So Clay Helton lives, uh, he, he lives how he talks and they see that these kids aren't stupid. These kids are smart. You know, they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, but they're smart kids. And they, they pick up on this stuff. And uh, I'm just so glad to see that they're – I mean, this team right now, the way I see Keith, could beat any team in the nation now. I'd put them – and they could beat anybody, you know. And I, they're, they're like a snowball going downhill. You know, they're – I think they're now 13th or 15th in the country. Well, yeah, it depends, yeah, so, on, depends uh, on what poll you look at. If you look at the college football yeah. rankings, I think they have them at uh, 13, and the AP Top 25 has got them at 15. So, uh, yeah. And they're the only team with three losses in there. The other teams are one loss teams, you know. They're in those. So, but it's it's just because they, they you know, it was like once they got Sam Darwin there, everything turned around. The defense is playing, you know, like off the charts, and so is the offense. You know, I mean, they're just off the charts, and he brings so many new demands. I tell people, and I, I, I'm, I, I, I mean, I go nuts over this guy. Yeah. My friends, no, I've been watching SC football since the mid '50s, and I've seen every quarterback, every quarterback at USC from. From um, you know Pete Bethard to uh, Rodney Pete to Vince Evans to you know 
Sean Salisbury to Mark Sanchez to John David Booty to Carson Palmer to Matt Leiner to I can name them all. Yeah. Matt Barkley. No quarterback of those guys can do what this team can do. None of them. And I don't know. I told the I, I was with the kid the other day. He's the most sweet, nice, polite kid. I said, "You make me proud to be white, young man." Yeah. I said, uh, "I said, I said, I said, you do things that I have not seen any white man do, with the quickness and the speed and the." And he doesn't rattle. The guy's as calm as a cucumber. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, you know. They, they list him at 225. Somebody told me he's actually 235. He runs like a deer. He doesn't rattle. He can make a broken play into a 60-yard touchdown, you know. I mean, that guy, he's, he's got eyes behind his head. He's got great peripheral vision. He can throw on the run. He can throw to either side of the field. He can run a touchdown in from anywhere and knock people over if he has to. I hope he doesn't do that because he's such a valuable commodity. I hope he doesn't try to, you know, knock guys over. But he's a linebacker in high school oh, as well as a quarterback. Wow. So uh, He's got an amazing, uh, no, amazing, amazing release at times. There are times when uh, it doesn't look like he's, he's going to be able to get the ball out, and, uh, he, and he's got just yeah. a limited amount of time and a really quick release when he needs it. Outstanding Absolutely. to watch. Yeah. No, he's great. I mean, they, they really um, – you know, with that firing of Sarkisian, as far as I was concerned, USC landed on their feet in the Paraguchis. You know what I mean? With hiring help. You know what I mean? So it's like. Uh, it was interesting. Last last week, playing in Washington, both those coaches uh, replaced uh, uh, Sark. Uh, you know, the, the, the guy in Washington and the guy at, yeah. uh, you know, at Helton at SC. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I, that for me was going to be their test, uh, you know, because, you know, Washington rolled in there, what, about 8 0 or something like that. And. Uh, yep. hadn't lost a game and, and kind of blew a lot of teams away and it was a it was a good test for them after they uh you know uh, after they were on their I mean, how about the quarterback being, he's in the top four for the Heisman trophy he had 40 touchdown passes or something leading the nation and touchdown passes leading the nation this late their offense is leading the nation their defense was and sc went in there and bitch slapped them i mean yeah. they it was it was it was absolutely amazing i mean who was the better quarterback in that game Donald, a freshman or that other guy you know that was up for the Heisman Trophy. Donald completely outplayed him in every aspect of the game. Yeah. So I mean, he throws a touchdown. What I like is he threw a pick. He threw a pick in the first series. What's he do? He comes right back and throws a, a pass in the same thing. In other words, it does. A lot of guys would rattle in a game like that the, on the road in Seattle. They throw a pick, they'd fall apart. This guy just didn't. You know. You know. I had an old scout, George Genovese. He used to be with the. Uh, San Francisco Giants, and he later was in the Dodgers, and he passed away about two years ago. But he, he, he probably signed 50 major league players in the major leagues. And he told me something I never forgot. He said, Bobby, I learn more by watching a guy when I'm scouting if he goes 0 for 4 and strikes out four times and makes four errors in, in the infield. He said, I don't want to go scout him and watch him hit four home runs because I already knew he was good or I wouldn't be scouting him in the first place. Right. I want to see how he handles not doing good. And and that is really a key, you know. That's how. What kind of a loser is he? What kind? Everybody looks good when you're winning. Everybody looks good. Uh, but see it, you know. It's it's like that Tito Francona or uh, Terry Francona. You see how he handled the World Series he, with class. He lost, and he had dignity and class. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that's to me, that's what makes a winner. You know, and that's that's Sam Darnold. He throws a pick in the first series. Didn't you know? Gets right back up off the ground, and you know, like my fighter Johnny Tappy used to say, "It's not how many times you get knocked down; it's how you pick yourself up." And that's what makes a champion in my book. And this kid really has all the all the nuts and bolts to make, you know, a Hall of Fame NFL Hall of Fame quarterback someday. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll be around to see it, but 
but <laughs> I, it's great. It's, it's great to see him, uh, you know, getting, you know, doing what he's doing. You know, it's it's it, he as as remarkable as he's playing. It's it's not just him. The defense looked alive. The running backs are are, oh, are carrying the ball. You know, that, that Porter Augustin, number forty-five, Cameron Smith, number thirty-two. Uh, Dory Jackson, number two, even Chris Hawkins, number four, who played horrible last year, is really playing good this year. I mean, there's so many guys on that defensive line. That big Samoan kid that was a 25-year-old, uh, he did his Mormon mission, he transferred from Utah. He's a big defensive lineman. He is doing great. He's like the the leader of the defense, a big yeah. 25-year-old Samoan kid. I can't pronounce his name. It's one of those long names, but the guy's doing great out there. He's popular with his teammates. They I mean, that team, they love each other. I mean, I, I, that team, they hang out together. They, they're all buddies in that team. There's no, uh, you know, prima donnas or anything on that team. They've gotten rid of a few bad apples off that team. But, you know, they really seem to gel. And it's, it's all from the coach. I always say the fish thinks at the head first. And, and it's like, and you know, if it's a good parents, you have good kids if it's most of the time. If you have... That, screwed up kids, I say, show me the parents. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like this, this coach is, they're, they're really, uh, you know, filing into his. So I'm, I'm just, it's a great time to be a Trojan fan again. You know, so. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and you talk about them gelling. It's, 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 it's wonderful to see when teams gel. You know, I watch a lot of, a lot of, uh, Oh God! Sports shows and and uh, you know football life and things like that and and you'll hear occasionally about uh, guys who are on teams and they say you know the guy was a great teammate but it wasn't like we did anything you know together or you know you know he's, you know off season or off the field you know he said you know in the locker room fine but once the, once the game was over we never saw him again so it, it's it, you, and and you can tell that when the situations are like that. Although they may respect the person or, or, or respect their talents, they really don't uh, feel like they connected with them as a as a human being. That's exactly correct. I mean, you know, I've heard rumors that some people told me that they're down there that Dory may stay. I don't think he should. I think he should go out. He can't turn down. Kind of, he'll be a top pick. But some people say he may stay. You know, that's that's because he likes all his teammates. You know, he likes what they're doing, and it's like. You know, you know, it's like in the old days of baseball, Keith. You know, when I was working in baseball, the guys. They were like a family, you know. They, there was twenty five guys, and they they were with each other all the time. They played. You'd go to the locker rooms at one in the afternoon. They're playing gin rummy at the on the tables. They'd they'd play pepper. They do this. They'd go out and drink all night. They'd stay out. They'd hang out. I mean, Warren Spahn was a, a, a client of mine. And he, he used to tell me that his roommate was Lou Burdett for years, and he said they would order breakfast for each other. That's because they spent more time with each other than they do with their families and wives. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was like, and they loved each other. I mean, they hung out together. They stuck, they, they really, if a player would ride out another player, he'd be off the team. Yeah. You know, emotionally and mentally for the rest of the team. You, you know, players stuck up for each other. They, they covered for each other. They were, it was like a one big family. And it was, it was, I'm glad I was around in that era. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And incidentally, I got to tell you, I'm so excited. I worked for the Cubs in 1967. I'll tell you the story. They, I worked for the Angels, you know, then in 67, I was working for Casey Stingle, but I was a clubhouse guy for the Angels in 62, 3, 4, and 5. And we'd meet the Cubs in spring training. And Yoshi Kawano was a longtime equipment manager for like 60 years or something. He called me up. They had spring training in Long Beach in 1967. And it was the only year they were not in Arizona or Catalina. And he called me up and he said, Bobby, we need somebody to work in the visiting clubhouse. And they, they, they played all their games at Blair Field in Long Beach. Oh, wow. So I, 
Yeah, in 19, check it out. 1967, the Cubs played all their whole spring training in, in Long Beach, California. So I went down there and worked all the Cub games in Blair Field. It was great. You know, I got to know a lot of the players and everything. I knew some from before, but just a great bunch of guys. And I'm so happy because the fans are so loyal. I mean, you know, you know what I used to always say? I have a lot of friends from Chicago and a lot of people I've known. I used to always say, the thing I loved about the Cubs is they hadn't won a World Series since 1908. And those fans, win or lose, all the years Ernie Banks was there and Billy Williams and all those great Ron Sano, they would fill the ballpark, fill the ballpark. They, and you go in Chicago, everybody's got a Cub hat on, a Cub jacket, the Cub this, the Cub that. You know, and it's like, you know, I am so thrilled for those people. I, am, I have a, a dear friend of mine, uh, a family, they've been married like 55 years. Is, the guy's name is uh, Andy Elwine and his wife, Kate. You know, they have been lifetime Cub fans. You know, this guy had two daughters, so all he does is listen to the Cub games by himself every night in his house and with his Cub hat on. And to, for, that's the kind of people I want to see, you know, them in the tenant for. You know, people like that, you know. You know how many people that are deceased, grandparents, and the, 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 all these people go, oh, my grandfather loved the Cubs or my grandmother or, or these people. They're loyal fans. I think they're the most loyal fans in all sports, of yeah. all the teams in sports, the Cub fans. And that means, you know, they're not front runners, they're not, uh, you know, star fuckers, they're not any of that. They're, they're loyal, true fans, you know what I mean? And that is, to me, loyalty is number one, and that's why I've always loved the Cubs, you know. And I'm so happy for, you know, my friend, uh, you know, Kate and Andy, I, I talked to them and I said, I'm so thrilled for you guys back there. You know, they had five, the year they had five million people at the parade. Five yes, days. I did see that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, and, and I got to tell you, the last time I looked, I, I've been reading the papers. There, I haven't heard of any Cleveland Indian fans protesting around Wrigley Field. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh... oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you know what? Every time I think about the Cubs, I think about Harry Carey. Did you ever know him? Oh, Harry, you ever meet him? He was oh, what a great guy. Harry Carey would go sit in the with those big glasses on, he would go sit in the right field bleachers with the bleacher bumps and drink beer with them, hang out with them, talk to them. He was one of the nicest guys. I knew him when he worked for the White Sox. Uh -huh. I met him, you know, in the years. He worked for the Chicago White Sox for a few years, and he couldn't have been. What a sweetheart of a guy. I mean, just, he, you know, that's what the, this thing is towards. For the Harry Carries, the Ernie Bankses, the, you know, I knew a lot. You know, I worked with this guy, Babe Herman, that played for the Cubs in the, in the 30s, and, and, uh, Charlie Beal was a dear friend of mine who played in the 1980 World Series for the Cubs. He died in 1979, but he lived in Pasadena. Everybody in Pasadena He's a dear friend of mine, Charlie Beal. Mm -hmm. And so when I when I see them win the World Series, it's for Babe Herman and Charlie Beal and Ernie Banks and Ron Santo and these guys that are not here anymore. And you know, and, and all these grandparents and people that haven't you know think of the people. 1908 yeah. was the last time they won a World Series. Yeah. So you know, you look at people that grew up in Chicago, like these people I just told you about. I mean, imagine how they must feel. You know, I never thought I would. Did you ever think you'd live to see them win? No. <laughs> and I, and uh, yeah. I think they were down 3-1. Uh, I didn't think they were going to win this one. That's what, so, that was what was so miraculous about it. You know, they were down three games to one, and they they had, they didn't have the home field advantage. So then they got to go play game six and seven in, in uh, Cleveland. That's unbelievable what they did. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I got to tell you this. I've had a lot of baseball friends call me major league players, ex-major league players. I'm not going to mention their names, but. At least five call me and say, Bob, I'm thrilled the Cubs won, but I got to tell you, that was the worst managing job in the history of the World Series by the Cub manager. In other words, 
he choked, and I'm happy. He's a, he's a, he's normally a very good manager, Joe Madden. A great manager, a good guy. Everybody he coached the Angels for years. Everybody liked Joe, but he he really choked in that World Series, man. You know, because he I think he felt the pressure of the Cubs not winning. Yeah. So he brought you know he let that Cuban guy pitch three innings in Game Six, and you know you're doing some crazy things. You know, pulling out the guy after four and two thirds innings that was pitching a terrific game because he walked one guy. You know, I mean, just make it. But he was he was so anxious to win the overmanage. You follow me? Right. He was like o- overmanaging. And Francona really outmanaged him. And uh but it doesn't really matter because it's who won the pennant. You know, <laughs> won the World Series. That, that is true. I got I gotta imagine though that uh, you know when you get to games like that, these guys, you know, they coach uh, you know hundred plus games a year, but when you get to you get to the pinnacle of your of your uh, sport, you know, the, the World Series, I, the pressure especially for a team that hadn't hadn't won it for so long, the pressure had to be enormous. Absolutely correct. Oh, are you kidding? I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't. That's why I think he just the manager. He's not a, a guy like that. I mean, he's a very good manager, but he just. I'm sure he felt the Bartman guy. That he felt the goat. He felt all that stuff that's been going on for years around here, you know, and uh, felt responsible for it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of managers, uh, Dave Roberts uh, he, he wins an award this week. Uh, you know the uh, uh, his first year managing the Dodgers. Uh, what, what did you think about that? I thought he did a great job, and I think he deserved it. And uh, it's just uh, to me unbelievable if you think they had no Kershaw for you know three quarters of the season. They lost Rue R Y U, the Korean guy, who was their ace, one of their aces last year. They, I mean, they you, they had so many injuries, so many guys on the DL. I think they had like 50 guys play for them this year. They set a record for guys in the DL. Yeah, I think they had 20, a, 28 guys on the DL this year. Yeah, I mean, and he was a steady Eddie, that manager. You know, the players like him. I've never met Dave Roberts, but I've heard nothing but good things about him. Everybody I, that I know that know him say he's just a class act. Yeah. And uh, he just did a great job. You know, really did. He was a good player. I know that. I saw him play for the Red Sox and the Padres, and I think he played at UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, he's really a, a uh, you know, first-class guy. And, boy, they need that. they got some stability there. Yeah, and uh, you know they need to get some. They just need to get another starting pitcher and a couple other things. That's not Dave Roberts' fault, but I thought he really got the best out of his ability. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you have that many people on the DL yeah. and, and and your absolutely. ace, your ace gone for that length of time, uh, it's yep. and they continued to win. It was amazing. Absolutely terrific. It was fun. They were really fun to watch this year. You know, you spent uh, you know you spent a lot of time in the sports world, but you also uh, you also spent some time in the entertainment world. And, and you know, you and I chatted earlier today, and, and you mentioned Mickey Rooney, and, and you know, he seems like he must have been uh, uh, just a fun guy to always be around. Mickey was one. I was just telling some friends of mine about him today. You know, I miss him every day of my life. I, he was. I never. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life as I did with him. You know, just. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the things he made me laugh about, I couldn't even say on the air, but the guy was one of the funniest guys that I ever saw. Loved the, he was a sportsman. He loved the horses. He loved, you know, college football. He loved, I mean, he loved, we, we were at Santa Anita Racetrack, or we were at Hollywood Park, or we were at, we were at uh, you know, uh, off-track betting in Oxnard, California. We'd go up there a lot. And, you know, we were constantly at the racetrack, and he just loved the races, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he used to say I spent... Uh, Two, I lost two dollars the first day I went there in, in the 
30s, and he said, I spent $4 million trying to get it back. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, he was, a, he, was a, he was a he was just a real sportsman. He loved, you know, and, you know, here's the thing. The guy was five foot two. Yeah. If he was, if he had been six feet tall, he could have been a major league player. Or anything. And the guy, the guy was a great ping pong player, a great tennis player at the LA Tennis Club. He, he was a great golfer. I mean, the guy, the guy was a great. He, he honestly could sing. He could dance. He could play the drums. He could. You know how many musicals he was in with Judy Garland, Babes in Arms, and you know he say he could do all kinds of different kinds of acting. He could play drama. He could play this. He could play that. You know, he, you know people. A lot of people don't realize Mickey holds a record. He was nominated for an Academy Award in six different decades. Really? Six different decades. Think about that. And he also, in 1939 and 40, you can check this out, he was at MGM. And 39 is the year they made Gone with the Wind and Casablanca. And Mickey was voted the number one star in the world in 1939. And that's when they had Clark Gable and Humphrey Bogart at MGM and all these other was really the number one star in the world. Wow. So, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, he was married eight times. So we had, you know, we had 14 marriages between us. So, you know, it was, uh, he, 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 used, he used to, Mickey used to always say, that's why he hired me, you know. And his famous line was, people, he'd say, you see these scars on my neck? And people would say, yeah, what is that? He said, oh, they're not from acting, it's from rice. <laughs> but no, he... You know, he was a true, true character, Keith. I mean, just a fun guy. He loved everybody. You know, he's, he was uh, you know, just, uh, I, I got to tell you a, a funny story. We, we, we uh, they, uh, the Friars Club in L.A., you know what that is. They, yeah. they roasted, they roasted Mickey. This must be, I don't know, around 1997 or 98, they roasted him there. And they had everybody in Hollywood there, you know, everybody, you know. Uh, Milton Pearl, Jane Russell, everybody you can think of, Charlie Bronson, Papa, 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 everybody. In fact, I sat with Mickey's eighth wife, Jan. We were in this in the crowd, and Mickey was in the bias, and David Nelson from Ozzie and Harriet was sitting with us. It was, it was a wonderful evening, but it was some of the funniest lines you've ever heard. Um, uh, what's his name? Buddy Hackett was emceeing the thing, and he, he and, and sitting on the dais with Mickey was Larry King, and Milton Berle. And Buddy Hackett says it with Mickey's wife there and these other people. You know, those things got pretty crude. I couldn't play a lot of this stuff, but he did yeah. say this. He said, he said, what a Mickey Rooney, uh, Larry King, and Milton Berle have in common. This is Buddy Hackett talking. And he says, they all screwed famous women. He said, Larry King screwed Angie Dickinson, he said, Milton Burrow, I mean, Mickey Rooney screwed Ava Gardner, which was his first wife. He said that right in front with the wives. Yeah. And he said, and Milton Burrow nailed Betsy Ross. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's the cleanest of all the things that said. Uh, but uh, that, that, there were some of the funniest lines I ever heard there. It was a great night. And, uh, as usual, Mickey was his, his charming self. You know. those, those, I've only seen clips of some of those roasts, and I gotta, I gotta imagine being there in in the in the room has got to be uh, uh, hilarious, and uh, it, it, a lot of uh, a lot of looking around at the at, at, at people at the victims at times too. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was it was fun, but you know he was such a character. I mean, he lived 
he was born, I think, September 23rd, 1920. So he lived a long, long life. You know, at the end of his life, it didn't turn out good because these, uh, what's what stepchildren ended up clipping for a lot of his money, millions of dollars. Is wow. Well, I've heard, so it was yeah. not too pretty at the end. But um, I feel sorry that it's a shame a guy like that would have to have a bad last eight or ten years. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I wasn't around because I would I would not have been too happy once what was going on. Yeah, that's that's always a shame to hear. You know, yeah. uh, I'm gonna we're gonna switch it up just a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you I know your your passion for boxing. I didn't even I, I, this wasn't publicized. Uh, maybe I just missed it. It didn't seem to be publicized a lot. But a couple of weeks ago, I, I look up and they say Pacquiao was fighting that day, and he had a fight that night. Uh, I guess he won. Um, I don't, t- tell me about what you know about that. I mean, I, th- I thought he, I thought he was done after. Uh... Oh no, he, he's thirty-seven years old now. And Freddie, I just talked to Freddie Oaks uh, last week, and Freddie said he has not lost anything. He won a, a unanimous decision over this Vargas, who was a world champion, and won the WBO world title for his like it's ninth world cha- championship in all these different weight classes. It's a, it's a record, and uh, he is just unbelievable. He fought a one, he knocked that out twice. Yeah, and uh, so not now they're talking about another Mayweather fight with him or who knows. But I, I don't. He doesn't need Mayweather in his career. All he's going to do is that's that's like watching Dancing with the Stars. Right? <laughs> you got you got to you know he, he needs somebody that's going to fight him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, and I don't think the public wants to see another one of those for a hundred bucks. You know? But uh, the Was bottom it? line is there's a there's a good fight coming up this Saturday. with Sergey Kol- Kolovov. He's a Russian. He's fighting Andre Ward. And they're both undefeated, you know, so that's going to be a great fight. It's on pay-per-view on uh, HBO, I believe, Sunday night. Oh, okay. The, but, uh, what, what division are these guys? These heavyweights? They're, no, they're light heavyweights. Sergey Kovalov, he's knocked out like 90% of his opponents. Oh. Really a great fighter, great fighter. Him and uh, uh, Glenati go off, and they call him 3G. They're the best. He's like the number one fighter in boxing today. He's knocked, he's knocked, I think he's knocked out his last 27 opponents. Amazing, amazing. I'll have to, I'll have to there's some good that. fighters. A lot of them are Russian, though. There's a lot of good Russian fighters. There's a, there's a kid uh, named Anthony Joshua from, from the United Kingdom who's a, a heavyweight who, who might be a Mike Tyson coming up. I mean, I've seen clips of this kid, and people are telling me about him. I think he's 17 and over 17 knockouts, but watch out for Anthony Joshua. Remember that name? This kid's guy. I think he's fighting Klitschko coming up in, in, in the next month or two around Christmas time. But uh, it's this kid, Anthony Joshua. Watch out! He's a young, black kid from the United Kingdom, and he can fight like nobody's business. I've watched him. He's, it's the it factor, you know. You, it, it's like you can't teach power. You know, they try to teach power, but it's either there or this. You know, where you can, you know, what they call it, heavy hands. If right. you're heavy-handed, you can knock somebody out. You know, like this Golovkin guy. His, his trainer was telling me that he fought this kid. Uh, I think his name was Ward too, but not Andrew Ward. He fought another kid named Ward, and about six months ago, and they bought in three sparring mates that looked just like the kid that fighting him up in Big Bear. And Abel Sanchez is his trainer, and he was telling me, he says they, they would each spar four rounds apiece. The four, the three sparring mates would go the twelve rounds. And he said that all three of them had to quit after the first or second round because their arms went numb. Wow, <laughs> their arms went just from shots in the arms. Yeah, but, and he was taking he was taking it easy on him. He wasn't. Going, Going for the head or the body, he's going. Yeah, they, they couldn't even move their arms. Your arms go numb, and that's and and Abel said he's never seen a more heavy-handed fighter. But he's like the guy in boxing today. In fact, 
the guy uh, Canelo uh, Alvarez. They call that cinnamon the Mexican Canelo. He's a redheaded Mexican. Yeah, he is. He's like the biggest star in Mexico. He wouldn't fight that three G. He, he gave up his WCB belt because he was a mandatory challenger rather than fighting him now. And he says, "Oh, he, he's promoted by Oscar De La Hoya." He says, "Oh, we'll fight him in a couple of years." Yeah, right. When he's <laughs> the guy's thirty-five, he's going to he's thirty-eight, and this guy's twenty-five, and he'll be twenty-eight. You follow me? Yeah. So it's it's uh, you know it's you know hey you know what Eddie Futch the great he was Joe Frazier's trainer and Rico's trainer and Larry Holmes trainer he said the greatest line ever he used to say great fights make great fighters. And in other words, if you're 40 and on, you fought 40 tomato cans. Are you a great fighter? No. But if you if you if you're Oscar De Leon, it was like 39 and seven or something. But he fought nothing but world champions. You know, the greatest resume in, in in recent history of all the fighters. Do you look at the people Oscar De Leon fight? Pernell Whitaker, Hall of Famer. Julio Cesar Chavez twice, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Felix Trinidad, Hall of Famer. Uh, Ike Corte could be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Manny Pacquiao will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, on and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, uh, he fought, uh, what's his name, uh, Floyd Mayweather. He fought everybody. He fought yeah. everybody there was to fight. And uh, never backed off from anybody. You know, I don't think he fought Sugar Shane Moses twice. You know, so uh, that was a couple of our NBA fights. But, but anyway, no, a great, uh, great. What would Frazier be without Ali? You know what I mean? True, what true. would what would Foreman be without Ali? Yeah. What would uh, you know? What would Sugar Ray Leonard be without uh, Marvin Hagler? What would Hagler be without Roberto Duran? What would uh, you know? All these guys, they all meet each other. You know, so it's like Thomas sitting down there. It's like that time when those four guys were fighting. They, they meet each other. Great, a great era right there. That was yeah, a great era. Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, they keep it, saying, Keith, they keep saying that boxing is MMA taking over, and I, I tell people, MMA is not taking over. Now, the younger kids like it. But boxing, proven by Floyd Mayweather and Pacquiao, the highest grossing fight in history, the big, now think about this, in all the athletes in all the world, Muhammad Ali, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, uh, Babe Ruth, but you can name Gary Hank Aaron, or Hank. Are you there? Yeah. The yeah. the highest paid athlete is Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. So so does that tell you boxing is dying? You know the issue. That I think the problem is is in, is is and I can tell you as as a boxing fan, uh, I I always see I always see the advertisement for an upcoming UFC fight. I always come. I see a. You know, there's going to be a you know uh, you know Ronda Rousey or this or that. I very rarely yeah. see the, the the promotion behind uh, behind the boxing anymore. And I, occasionally, I'll I'll get a glimpse of something, or I'll see a, I'll see a quick little uh, uh, report about a, a fight. And it's usually the, by the time I see it, it's the same day of the fight. Uh, I don't know if they're just spending more money on advertising, or if I'm. It just doesn't seem that it's getting promoted as much as it used to, or or as broadly as it used to. No, you're you're right. It's exactly. You know, I'll tell you why. Most of your fighters today are from the United Kingdom, from Russia, from you know, um, from some of the African countries, from the Latino countries. Uh, there's not a lot of great American fighters anymore, which is why it's not publicized here as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's still an international sport, and uh, but it's it's definitely not what it used to be. I mean, like you know, you and I have lived through those eras and those great fights. You know, and the whole world will watch. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eyes open. I might have to I might have to start subscribing to one of the one of the, one of the boxing magazines so I know when things are coming up. And because yep. and, and, I I don't want to miss I don't want to miss uh, especially some of these ones you're talking about that are that I haven't heard of and it sounds like there'd be some interesting guys yep. to follow their careers. Yeah, well, I hope you do. There there there's some good fighters out there still. It's just not as many as there used to be. Yeah. Well. Well, that's all right. Uh, you know, um, uh, before we go, uh, big, big, big weekend, uh, big couple weekends coming up for SC. And we're going to bounce back over to Trojans for a bit. I think they have what UCLA this week and Notre Dame the following week. Is that is that is that correct? Yes, they do. And uh, I, I I have a friend who calls me from New York and he's worried about SC losing at UCLA. I said, oh, I, I've never been more confident uh, since this. I've never seen a miracle worker like this Darwin. You know, it's almost like Price Walker on water. Right? The guys work in miracles. And I, this SC to me is a snowball going downhill big time. Yeah. I just think they're going to get better. I think they're going to knock the hell out of this show. I really believe that. I don't think it's going to, I think they'll do the same with Notre Dame. They'll do whoever they play in the bowl, you know. Uh, there's rumors they may go to the Cotton Bowl if they don't win the Pac 12 division they're in. That doesn't, that's out of their hands. It's up to, uh, Utah and uh, Colorado, you know, what happens to them. But, you know, you can't worry about things that you can't control. But all I know is they could finish the season 10 and 3, and that's terrific, considering they were 1 and 3. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I think the. I, you know, I've always, I've always, I tell you this real fast, I've always, if SD was 1 and 11 and beat UCLA, it was a good year for me. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> That's what I always say. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think the, the the only I think the reason some people are having worries is because, you know, these two teams are going to get get up big time for SC. SC's been on a roll. They can't look past one, you know, uh, for the other. They, you know, they have to take one week at a time. So I think uh, you know this is going to be the biggest game of the year for UCLA for sure. Uh, and yeah. of course, Notre Dame is always what it is, but. Uh, you know, based on the, based on the season UCLA's been having, this is going to be their biggest game of the year. So, they'll be fired up as long as uh, SC comes and plays their game, and then they're, they're they're only concentrating on UCLA. And you know, after watching them last week, there's really nobody that can, that they can't beat. Uh, they can't beat. I don't think. Man, That's I, exactly. We're on the same page there, Keith. Yeah, hey, I, I understand you were at Phil Trains. Yes, yes, I was there yesterday, and and Phil said, "Tell you hello," uh, when I told him that. You were a friend of mine, and <clears throat> had some great things to say about you. And uh, what a great place! I know you've been there over oh, the years. Place, what a great I mean, place! That place. Oh, they're, 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 what a you know. Phil is probably the only guy in the world that's a that's a that's a brewer that I love. You know, I mean, he loves UCLA, but we're best friends. You know, he's a dear, dear guy, and uh, he's running that restaurant. I mean, if you go in the kitchen there, he used to have the athletes. The only athletes I'd bring in there, and he'd have them come back in the kitchen and sign the walls. Yeah. And you would go back and cook spaghetti and stuff back there. And, uh, you know, you know, you, you never knew who'd be in that restaurant. I mean, you'd walk in there and see Joe Nash was in there. Yeah. Or Pete Rose or John Wooden. Or, you know, it was like, it was a, like, just hang out. He must have 5,000 signatures on the wall of his, uh, of his, uh, the next time you go in, I haven't taken him to get I will. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. But, I mean, every, and the players love them. But, I mean, he's great to the players. You know, he's first class guy. You know, always makes him feel wanted, and uh, it's always been. It's been. It's probably New York. They had a place called Toot Shores on Broadway that was where all the old ball players used to hang out. Uh, the guy's name was Toot Shore, and it was not far from Jack Dempsey's restaurant on Broadway. But you know, that was a big hangout. Everybody in baseball and football, and you know, all the you know standees where you can go in there and see whoever you want. You know, this is the way training was for years. So. You know. 
everybody. I mean, even Keith, even Keith uh, goes in there. So you know, from his food world, you know, I mean, everybody goes there. You know, it's like it's a place to be seen. You know what I mean? And and uh, all that. Anybody, anybody in sports will go there. And uh, so you know, it's Keith Lewis there. Joe DiMaggio's there, you know, Muhammad Ali's been there, P. Rose has been there, so I'm glad you went. I'm really glad you went. Absolutely, and, and you know, the, the, you, you were talking about how well he treats the uh, the athletes. I, I watched him uh, treat everybody in the restaurant, no matter who they were, with such Absolutely. grace and class and, and, and friendliness that, uh, you know, yeah. you, if, if, you, if you've been there once, you, you have to go back. You just you just want to go back. So. Oh, he's Bill Trainer is one of my all-time favorites. And he had a brother, Lou Trainer. There was a bunch of them, but Lou's passed away. But Phil was one of the greatest guys. He's like, you talk about a guy that loves sports. He, he could sit and talk baseball, football, you know, basketball. He, he, this guy, you know, I, I used to tell Phil, I said, Phil, I'm not gay. But if I was ever going to the joint for 10 years, I'd want you as my bunkmate to tell him why. Because you, know, you, you, you can talk sports to him all Absolutely. And he knows everything. The guy's got one of those great minds in sports. You know what I mean? So just knows everything. Knows everybody. Good times, man. Well, you know, uh, Bob. Yeah. As always, it's 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 a treat to have you on the show, and and, and I always uh, it always warms my heart to have the ch- chance to talk to you uh, on air or off there. And I want to thank well, you for I, joining us again tonight. Well, thank you for rooting for the Trojans. Thank you for being you know my friend and. You know, like, you, you, you threaten to come out here to Malibu and have dinner with me one night or something. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it before the end of the year. I promise you, I'll get out there before the end of the year. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna hold you to that, Keith. All right, brother. <laughs> okay, happy Thanksgiving. You too, man. Talk to you soon. God bless. God bless All you, brother. Thank you, Bob Case. Everybody, uh, just a wonderful guy, and always, uh, always a, a pleasure to have on the show. And. And, uh, you know, he, the guy is uh, hes probably the most interesting man in the world when you really get a chance to sit down and talk to him about all the things he's done, all the people he's met, all the people who he's got stories about. And uh, they're always uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, little vignettes of uh, our history. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back, and we'll get Anthony Davis on the line. This is Michelle Mangione, What is a Saint? You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com, and we'll be back after this.
Sing to you. 
Rad doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. Look for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. And welcome back to Swoosh from the Talk Story Radio Network, and it's time to give AD a call. Welcome back to the show, our good friend and colleague, Anthony Davis, five-time national champion, two-time All-American, played in the NFL. Of course, we're talking about from USC, of course. Uh, AD, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing okay. Woke up this morning. Hey, man, another day above ground, right? Yes. Hey, it's uh, it's been a while since we chatted, and there's a lot of things we could touch on, but uh, we'll just we'll just jump right into it. Uh, you know, we 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 had touched on the election a little bit. You 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 weighed the pros and cons about uh, whether Hillary could win or whether Trump could win, and what both of them brought to the plate. And uh, were you surprised? No, I wasn't surprised at all because uh, people always riding out there and talking this stuff about Trump, this Trump. That. Look, the system created Trump. If they didn't want Trump to be there, they should have handled their business better. And I just believe that, you know, uh, and what I hear, because I'm, I'm talking in the, the black social economic situation and the white social economic, both back and forth. I can go from South, South, I can go to South Central to Newport Beach, and you hear various different comments. But the general comment about, about, and what I've heard about Hillary Clinton, both Orange County, the South Central, is that the woman created a lot of her baggage her own. And I talked to five women. I talked to three black women, and I talked to three white women. 
And what they told me was two things. The way he handled Bill, the way she handled Bill Clinton and what he was on infidelity and how they, how she handled the, 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 the Benghazi thing with this woman who lost her son over there where she had no communication with this woman at all. So just those two things alone, these women, that's one of the reasons women did not vote for it. Not, not policy, not anything, not domestic or foreign. It was based on those two topics. And, you know, people vote for people for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And some people didn't care, and some people didn't care what she was doing. Those, those, these five women didn't vote for her because of that. And so, and so you can say whatever you want about Trump and whatever. You can say whatever you want, whatever it did, but he... It basically, he, he, you're talking about a guy who hit the string, the, the nerve endings of people who just simply just wanted something different. That's all. That's how I take it. He's also a guy that you've, you've seen over the years. Um, and he was, uh, you know, he was uh, a, 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 not an NFL, but he, he owned a professional football franchise. Uh, uh, you've seen him over the years. You've seen his, uh, his career go, go over, uh, progress. Uh, during this time, so you kind of had a little insight into the, the kind of guy that he uh, he could be business wise, right? Well, first of all, you know he's a New Yorker number one. He owned the New Jersey Generals. He drafted uh, Herschel Walker out of school, Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, the thing is, I mean, you know that the USFL sued the National Football League and for antitrust, and uh, you know they were awarded a dollar, but. But 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 the situation is, you know, he was out there. He's been out there. A lot of people had their pros and cons about how he was started. That you know, his father left him a lot of money, and that's the way he got started. So you know, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, uh, I was in, I was interviewed by some book that some guy was doing on Trump. And I said, listen, hey, the system created Donald Trump. Left and right created Donald Trump. Yeah. So there's nobody to blame but the American society if you didn't want Donald Trump. One uh, one other thing, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. But uh, I, I remember us talking uh, way back when, and when he was, uh, it wasn't in the heat of the, of the election. Uh, he had already been the nominee, and and you did you did say uh, with your wisdom that you know that there you had talked to a lot of people, and a lot of people thought he brought something to the table as far as uh, business minded and, and and financial and. And maybe uh, you know bringing certain kinds of businesses back to the fold, and you said that would probably play a big part in, in a lot of people's decision. And you're right; a lot of people vote for different reasons. Uh, some people vote for single issue, uh, but there's a lot of you know. I think what what the the media was surprised of, and what they've expect over the years is they expect people to vote in blocks based on race, gender, uh, you know, sexual orientation or whatever. So I think uh, I think that was one of the things that surprised them. And in, 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 uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of people were surprised with the world over. Well, that's true, too. But also, too, you got to realize the media messed this up, too. The media messed up this election. And it was so the polls were off. Uh, it was like it was like propaganda, the media trying to push toward the Hillary thing and trying to uh, show the propaganda that, you know, that she's really winning. And then that was just the opposite. Now, you don't even know what to believe now. After this election and with, with the media involved, the general public now won't believe anything that goes on with, 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 with uh, reporting, whether or not it's good or bad now, because it's so tarnished now 
based on what they're putting out there with social media and tweeting and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you don't even know what to believe now. So after this election, they say Hillary won the popular vote, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, the electoral vote, they Trump won it. So the bottom line is, if you don't want him to win it, or do you want this to happen in the future, you need to abolish the, the electoral uh, the voting system. You know, they say she got the popular vote. I don't even know if people believe that, that she got the popular vote. I don't even think people really believe anything now. I don't think people believe whatever they hear. I think what people do now, if they if they suspect things are going to be different, and, 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 and at the end of the day, they're going to just start doing their own research and, and follow up their own situation. You can't believe what they read anymore or what they hear. Well, and that's across the board. Then. That's across the board, and that's why I, I always suggest, uh, and what I've been doing most of, most of my life when it comes to, at least my adult life, is you got to get your information from a variety of sources. Uh, and then you can, you, you, the truth lies somewhere in between. I mean, you can't read everything from the right, can't read everything from the left. You got you to kind of get a variety of sources and make sure they're legitimate sources. Some of the stuff on the internet are not legitimate sources. You know, they're just uh, things people are throwing up, their opinions. Uh, you know, they're not necessarily uh, uh, s- s- actual news sources. So you have to you get your information from a variety of sources and then make your decisions. First of all, if anybody's hearing my voice, Anybody listen to Facebook, don't get caught up in the propaganda. Anybody on the Internet, don't get caught up in the propaganda. What you what you see, 50%, you don't believe, and the other 50%, you better be skeptical, skeptical because if you get caught up in this culture of information, misinformation, you, you, you're going to be manipulated and distorted in your thinking. So uh, if somebody says it's green, in some cases, it's mostly going to be red. <laughs> okay. So the, bottom line is, the bottom line is, if you believe in stuff out there, and hey, and, I, and I'm a victim of that stuff, and that crap myself. So, so, so I'm just saying, you know, uh, uh, but but if anybody knows me, knows I don't care. I don't give a damn about what people say about me. The only thing I care about is people who care about me. You can say whatever you want about Anthony Davis. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter. So if you waste your time talking about me, you can forget it. Because I'm a hardcore brother from the streets of Pacoima and South Central. So, so, so I've been through the rough and up and down. You know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys born with a silver spoon in your mouth. So if you ever read anything on me on the Internet or whatever, and even if it's good, don't believe it. <laughs> or if it's good, don't believe it. Because some of that might not be true either. So I'm just saying, but, 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 but all I care about is what the people feel about me that knows me. That's all that matters to me at the end of the day. Absolutely. Hey, let's uh, let's switch over some sports for a little bit. Uh, you know, you and I have, have talked uh, recently and, 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 and over the past couple of years about the ranking system and whatnot. And uh, you know, we look at the rankings. Uh, well, let's let's talk about your alma mater. SC is in the top twenty-five on the uh, college football playoff rankings. They got them at number thirteen, and then on the AP poll, they have them at number fifteen. Well, let me say this to you. You know how I feel about it. The system's flawed. You can say whatever. When you got all these guys talking on this on radio, on TV, all this hyperbole and bloviating about something, I guess they're getting paid to talk about that 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 stuff. But at the end of the day, it's flawed. Now, this is like I told you before. Now you got six teams in the top ten that got one loss. Am I correct on that? You have. And then, and then, yes. And then overall in the top fifteen, you got got you got I think four or five teams with two losses. Okay, 
and also in the top fifteen, you got a you got an undefeated team in North in in, uh, in Western Michigan, and then the top team is undefeated too in Alabama. Western Michigan. So you can see is let me just let you know on the on the actual official playoff rankings, Western Michigan is number twenty one. Yeah, but see that's even see that, but see even what you feel about something like that, that's flawed. It just it just proves to my point. Yeah, I mean you can sit around and have ten one loss teams in the top ten. So how are you gonna have a committee of twelve people voting and then determine who's gonna be in there? Okay, I mean that's the reason why you need a full fledged playoff. That's why you need to have it. And, and all it is, and all it is, it, it, it is a beauty patching and letting them pick and who they feel is best. That's all it is. Well, the week of schedule, they didn't play this, and they got. Let me tell you something. My alma mater, USC, right now. That's the most dangerous team in the country right now. Now, whether whether or not it's a fluke, and or, or the Pac-12 is fluky and flaky, which you know it is, and you never know who's going to win from week to week. But based on their their, their their play and bumping off Washington at number four, that just says everything is flawed. So basically, they can they might. I'd, I'd like to see the Alabama game played next week. <laughs> that might be a different. That might be a different game. But but all I'm saying, if, we, if you'd have told, if we said at the beginning of the year that Ohio State get knocked off by Penn State, and that I would knock off Michigan, I said I need something to smoke. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, guess what? Like I've always said, any given Saturday, any given Sunday, it's the same thing. So these this, these people trying to create. This thing, you know, because uh, I know folks would love to see a full-fledged playoff. You know, like I've said before, you can put every coach in America in one room if you can get them all in there and ask them, would they want a full-fledged playoff system? Every one of them would say yes because it's a human element. It's, it's, it's not a, with, with a board of people's state that this team deserves to be in there. Louisville should be number one. Well, everybody's admit that the Alabama's number one. But, hey, you know, Alabama's not invincible. You can, they can be beat. You know, but the bottom line is, you know, anybody can be beat. Oh, absolutely. But what's interesting is, is these are the things I don't get. Okay, Michigan, Clemson both lose. Clemson goes from uh, two to four. Michigan stays at three. No movement whatsoever. Uh, you know, uh, Washington goes from uh, four to six. You know, um, so I, I, I don't get how they, how they, how they make these decisions. Uh, on a team that, you know, these, all these teams lost the same week, and, and one team stays exactly where they were at. Yeah, absolutely. But just check this one out. So Washington State's going to play Washington, right? Yeah. Is they, are they playing it this week or next week? I think it's this week. Okay, let me say this to you. What if Washington beats Washington State beats Washington? What if that scenario happens? Well, and what if what if Washington struggled and barely beats Washington State? Well, how you do the rankings right. after that? They don't they don't play the, they don't play the, they don't play this week. Washington State plays Colorado this week. Okay, well, this week or next week doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, the, the bottom line things will change. If Colorado play, if, if look, if they get beat by Colorado, if they struggle with Colorado, they might drop based the way this system set up. But if Washington State beats Washington, if they're in the feet, beat if they if, if they win this game against Colorado, hey, they're gonna throw this whole system in a frizzy. Because you know it, it just plays to my point. You know everybody, you know, uh, I don't want to come out sound like some guru, 
But you know, I know I know this one being a perform a professional a former athlete and playing football and in, in, in competitive ball. On any given weekend, somebody can beat anybody. Yeah. So you know, I don't like you having these committees saying people oh, the wheel to strength and schedule and, and the player personnel and this and that and this conference versus this conference. Hey, man, for, 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 forget that. You know, forget that. You know, it's not the matter of of of, of, of Central Canyon. Anybody can beat anybody. You got anybody remember Boise State playing against Oklahoma? What happened? <laughs> yes, come indeed. on. You go Ohio State goes up to Penn State and gets beat. Yeah, that house gets beat. Michigan goes out, gets beat. I mean, they they struggled and got beat. Yeah, it ain't like it was a a 35-31 game. I mean, they got they they couldn't even put points on the board. So and then look at look at look at look at Maldom and USC after after what Alabama did to SC. Everybody figured, well, hey, this is going to be a six and sixteen. Well, uh, to, to Clay Hilton credit and to the, the, the moving of the quarterback and they got this these they building these pieces around the quarterback situation there. Hey, I'm t- he's doing a great job so far, and they're just building and getting better. And I'm telling you, I, if I was with any team in this country, that's the scariest team in this country right now, is SC. You know, let's let's talk about SC a little bit. Uh, you 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 talk about uh, the play that they've had the last six seven games, uh, the way they played against Washington, the 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 spark in the offense and, and the running backs, the spark in the defense, uh, the play calling, everything is 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 it's like they hit their stride, man. It's hit their stride. Well, the hidden stride and everything is a learning curve. I mean, the the, play, the coaches are getting in sync. They've been able to deliver the terminology of the coaches, both the, uh, the players, both defensively and offensively. It's all about system. You know, like I said, they they build around they build around the quarterback position. Unbelievable. I mean, and then the thing is, the end of the day, it's been proven with the Dallas Cowboys and even with the Patriots. Now, still, you got to pound the football and you got to throw it. A combination of both. You got to play off each play play act play in the offense, the run game and the pass game, and that's what FC's doing. They're pounding, they're, and, and guess what? And the people know they're coming at them, and they're still pounding the ball. That's old vintage USC. That's that's the way it was when we played. I want to talk about uh, uh, specifically uh, both uh, Clancy Pendergrass and T uh, and T Martin. Uh, it looks like these guys have come in and, 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 and taken over in their pers- uh, respective positions as uh, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And just really just dial things up. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, people are very critical. I mean, you look, it takes time. Look, you can't just you just can't you just can't walk in and flip the switch. It doesn't work like that in football. It doesn't work like that. Period at the powerhouse place like USC. Hey, and remember, they've had five coaches. Is it my correct? Four coaches in five years. Yeah. I mean, come on. These kids have gone through crazy stuff. The learning the learning curve, the terminology. I mean, that terminology alone can get you beat. If you're not on the same page, it'll get you beat, both defensively and offensively. You can't walk up to a line of scrimmage, and he calls a play, and you, and you got to think, think about it. That's second nature. You can see that going on in their heads, you know, on the football field. Pound for pound, SC probably got some of the top talent in the country, top five talent in the country, as far as I'm concerned. There, there's, there's nobody in the, in the Pac-12 conference that matches their talent. Pound for pound. Yeah, I've always said that the problem that the problem has been has been systematic in the learning curve. So T. Martin Pentegrass, now they got everybody in sync. 
Now they're coming in to see. The pieces are falling in place. And and, 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 I, and I've always said, hey, leave Clay Hilton alone. You know, let Clay Hilton stay there. Let him stay there for three to five years. Let him turn that program around and, and build that culture back to what it is. You know, and, and, the, and the pressure about USC is the fact that look at the tradition of SC. When you start running around looking at me walking around with five national titles, two in football and two or three in baseball, that's the standard. Those are the teams you got to play to. That that's the difference between SC and other schools. Yeah. Look at all the national champions. That we you know, you know we are a legacy of national champions and all Americans and Heisman Trophy candidates and Heisman Trophy winners. So that's the pressure that you have to come in under when you come to USC. Any other school doesn't have that problem, but that's SC, and that's one of the problems that that, that, that the pressure that, that coaches have coming to that place. You have to perform. One, I heard a quote from Clay Hilton. I don't remember exactly, but basically he said that, you know, he'd been an interim coach, whatnot, but he knows and he understands that what USC is and what's expected of the of a head coach, and he's seen what happens to head coaches who don't uh, who don't live up to the standard, and uh, he he was welcomed he he welcomed the challenge, and I, I think a guy who has that mindset uh, is 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 right for the position right for the position. And like you said, you got to give him time. And I heard a quote about this kid, Darnell, Darnell the, the the Darnell. I don't pronounce his name. The quarterback. They said when he came in, uh, you know, they they basically told him, you know, you got some, some some big big league talent ahead of you. And his question was, does everybody get a fair shot? And they said, yeah. He says, all right, I'm in. So I think people with that mindset that understand what what what, the, what is expected of them at a at a at a university like USC. Uh, is ready to compete and willing to willing to do what it takes to do to win. Uh, those are the people you want in those positions. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the the thing is, look, if you keep changing coaches, that affects that affects you if you're recruiting. Okay, high school kids coming out and they see the fact the history of SC four coaches in five years. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to come to stuff like that. They know systems are going to change, and the people that get hurt are the players. They ain't the coaches. Yeah. You know, you, they, 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 that's who gets hurt, period. You know, and you, one coach says one thing, and then another comes and he says another thing, and he, his is a flock, his is a world. You don't really fit to what I want to do. I mean, see, Clay Hilton, look, he's calm. He's a good coach. He's focused. He's fundamentally sound, and they just need to leave him alone. And I think he's proven that now. You know, don't mess around. Even, even if he loses one or two, the, the one next, next, next couple of weeks, leave him alone. Give him time. Let him keep building, keep building. I think I think they can come away. I think they can win all the way out. Oh, you know, I and, do and, too. I do too. Yeah. You know, but like I said before, I mean, you know, UCLA's weak, but UCLA can maybe battle and then Notre Dame coming here but wounded. They can put up a fight too, but but based on what we've seen the the, the body of play that they've demonstrated in the, in the these past few weeks. I don't see I don't see anybody beating them unless they self destruct themselves. The thing is, is you that's the only way. You know, you, you, that's the only way you selling your name's going to beat them. But the thing is, is you, you take a team like a USC. There, you know, it's, it's like the it's like the Patriots. It's like uh, you know any handful of teams you want to mention in the NFL. There are certain teams that no matter who they play against, people get up for it. They people always get up for SC. If SC's having a lousy season. People get up because they want to run them into the ground. If SC's having a great season, they want to get, get they get up because they want to beat beat them. In, you know, this is a team the team with a long tradition of uh, of winners. So, 
you know, every week they 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 face the best that somebody has to offer them. Well, here's the deal. Everybody wants to beat the tradition. You see, when 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 you when you play USC, you're competing against the national champions, the Heisman Trophy winners, the Heisman runner-ups. Okay, you, you're competing against the the great ears. Mike Garrett, O.J. Simpson, Anthony Davis, Ricky Bell, Charles White, Marcus Allen, Reg- and all and all the way down, Reggie Bush, all of us. That's who you're competing against. The Matt Liners, the Carson Palmers, the Rodney Peets, you know, Jimmy Jones, Vince Evans, all those, you know, Paul McDonald. That's who you. That's who you're playing against. That legacy. That's what they want to be. You know, not too many schools that have that. You know, you there's only a handful of schools that can say that. Yeah. And he's one of them. That's what he's trying to be. Whether if it's a down year or up, they want to beat that tradition. Which, which in essence, to me, it, it, it would it really. Uh, I know the, the kids love to play, and they, and they play for the love of the game. But it, it really, I think that's the added pressure on certain programs. I think programs like SC, even Alabama, you you know Ohio State, you have that added pressure. If you're playing for you know Southern this or. West side that, you know, you just come into a game and, and, and hope to win yeah. and play your best. But you, you get everybody who shows up, uh, uh, you know, at, at the Coliseum or everybody, anytime you show up uh, on their field, they are jacked yeah. because they're playing against SC. Absolutely. Same thing you said about SC, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Alabama, you know, LSU. I mean, yeah. those, those powerhouses, Texas, even Texas being down, all the powerhouses they've had. Everybody wants to knock you off, Oklahoma's, you know. So uh, you name it. It's, it, it's a few powerhouses around the country with traditions that everybody wants to go after. Yeah, absolutely. You saw, you, you see, you saw how crazy the people in Iowa went when 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 they beat Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the field before not. the game was over, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, the SC folks ain't not going to do that, but that's Iowa. They don't beat Michigan all the time. They don't beat Ohio State all the time. They don't beat the Alabamas all the time. Yeah. And when they beat a team like that, it's in the top three. And then they definitely a powerhouse with Jim Harbour coaching. I mean, yeah, that was, that's huge. That, that, was probably, that, probably, that was probably the biggest thing going in the, in the state anyway that night. <laughs> Anthony Davis said that. I did. I just want everybody to know. All the listeners. I did. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was good stuff back there in Iowa. Knocking off Michigan like that? No. That's huge back then. It is huge, but you said that's the biggest thing that's going on there all weekend long or whatever. So I just want I just wanted to be clear. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said it. I'm, I'm, I'm old too. <laughs> well, good for Iowa. Good for the people in Iowa. That's good. For the, for the fans, the student body. It was a great win. Nobody yeah. expected him to beat them. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Hey, listen. Uh, let, while we're still on, while we're still on uh, your alma mater type thing, uh, the Rams uh, have upgraded the rookie uh, to starting this week. Jeff uh, Jared Goff, the the rookie QB who hasn't uh, hasn't started yet, uh, looks like he's going to be starting this week and getting his first chance to to see what he's got to do, what, what he's what he can do. I mean, I think Case Keenum uh, was probably doing a decent job, but uh, the, you know, you spend that kind of money on a, on a first round pick, people want to see him play. And when things start going a little uh, shaky, the fans start demanding some some changes, and I think they uh, they decided they're going to move the kid up. 
Yeah, first of all, let me let me say this to you. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I mean, they can go deeper in the hole by bringing him in there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not the one player. It's not the quarterback. It's the whole overall offense, period. It's not the matter. I mean, sure, you, 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 first of all, you should have started him in the first place anyway and ride with him. And you got to remember, you guys remember Vince Young? He was with he was with Jeff Fisher down down in Tennessee. A lot of that's coming back to say, well, same thing happened with uh, with Vince Young. So I mean, is that the same pattern as it been from Tennessee to Rams with Jeff? But the bottom line is, I don't think the quarterback position is going to make a difference. I don't think he's going to make it. I think I think I think they might sputter even more. Maybe. I mean, because you know, he ain't like a Tom Brady the way Tom Brady came in. But the bottom line is, I mean, it'll be, I think overall it's system in their in their play, their system. I mean, they got a great runner. Well, and, and, that. and they're struggling with him right now. I mean, he, you know, he was a rookie of the year last that's year. Just, that's all system. Yeah, that's all in game pass game system. That's all that is. They got enough, and you know, and I'm not going to be critical of their offensive line is not bad. I mean, come on. Look, it's all system. You know, I don't know where these people get off about their this and their that. Hey. Put it this way. I'm going to say this to you. I have respect for Jeff Fisher. He's been in the league a long time. He's a Trojan. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Bill Belichick, and I heard somebody talking, and I didn't say this right, and I said, I'm not. Hey, Bill Belichick was coaching the Rams. It'd be a different outcome. And some people said, well, I believe it would be a different outcome. Well, I have a lot of respect for Belichick. Okay? I really do. But I think, I, but, but in my opinion, my football opinion, it's all systematic with the Rams. It ain't changing him, changing the quarterback is not going to change one bit, in my opinion. Yeah. And if it does, you need to prove me wrong starting Sunday. Sunday. You prove me wrong. What is he going to do better than another quarterback they replace? I think it's not so. one position. I think it's so. a whole. It's a whole team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let me do our thing real quick. You're listening to Swoop Sword on the Talks Radio Network. We're here with Anthony Davis, the great USC great. Five-time national champion, two-time All-American. Right now, we're talking about the Rams and and upgrading uh, Jared Goff to uh, starting quarterback. You know, you're right. It's it's a, it's a team effort. Uh, the whole team has some things, and and uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's one player, but sometimes it takes a lot more. All the guy is a little taller and can throw the ball basically the same. He's gonna hand it off to to, to the running back. What's the difference? They need to redo. They need to revamp the whole system. What are they gonna do? It's not the wide receiver. Some people say, well, they don't have no big time receivers. And they got great, they got adequate receivers out there. It's all in the system. I don't get what these people start running their mouths about how they're not that good and whatever. I mean, come on. I mean, look, Tom Brady plays with the Patriots. Tom Brady don't have no mobility, better mobility than those kids. The difference between Brady, Brady will cut you in half from his, from his waist all the way up. He, he's a brilliant quarterback. He ain't, he ain't mobile. He can't. He can't get out of his own way. But, but, but whatever he, whatever he, whatever he lacks, he's a master at it. Well, and he, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, between him and Belichick, and you, you know the proofs in the pudding, they got six Super Bowl appearances and four championships. You could, you, you can't, you can't even, you can't ask for a better combination of those two. So. So when people start talking about you need to put him into it, oh, yeah, put him on in there. You're paying him a lot of money. He should have been in there in the first place. Anyway. Based on the number one overall, based on the money you get, because it is a business, you put him in there because the fans expect him to see him anyway. But I want to tell all you fans out there, it doesn't matter if he's in there Sunday. 
He might fluke up and throw maybe a three touchdown, three and something yards. But guess what? Even if he does, he still can get beat. Yeah. Then also he can keep, he can keep playing like they played against the Jets nine and six. That can happen too again. Yeah, and they can get shut up and get then gets and they can get beat even worse than they did what happened this weekend, this past weekend. I mean, they definitely don't have any offensive power, but one player is not going to change it. And if he does that, I'll eat all my words. Well, until they until they can get. Uh... Gurley playing the playing the kind of ball he played last year and get a, get that running game established and then and then open up the passing game. I think they're going to struggle regardless. Well, they need to do something. They I mean they you know they need to do for, look. They need to get both. They need to get on all eight cylinders and they're running on two right now. Yeah. And 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 both the run and the pass game. Then and they got to make it work and compensate and uh, you know. Blend in and compensate for, for 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 both both phases of the game. Yeah, I mean, you, it doesn't work. I mean, you gotta you, you gotta look. First of all, look at Dallas. Look what they're doing. Look at the two one two points they have. Two rookies. Come on now. I mean, you know they can. You, you, I mean, they they Jerry Jones is something great. Now you you people criticize him drafting Ezekiel uh, Elliott number four, but that's probably one of the smartest moves he's done since he's owned the team. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, that's the best running back since Tony Dorsett. He's and he and he does as fast as Dorsett. He's bigger than Dorsett. That team so, surprises me week in and week out. I, I, I every week I you know I have a friend who's a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, and so we uh, we get to text him back and forth and. I, I always kind of figure this is the way this is the weekend they're going down, and they just keep rolling along. Well, let me tell you something. Prescott and Elliott, when those two are in sync and they're getting better and getting better and better, well, you know, and, and then with the receiving core and the running game, hey, if they keep building on that and building up to the playoffs, they're going to be a juggernaut. And, you know, some, somebody said today to me, said, Hey, AD, wouldn't it be a nice Super Bowl if the Patriots and the Cowboys are in there? I said, man, that'd be the big. I said, I tell you what, the market share and the viewing would be huge if that was to happen. <laughs> that would be a huge game. The Patriots and America's team, the Cowboys, and Jerry Jones versus uh, Mr. Kraft and the Patriots. I mean, that would be something else. That would be something to see. You uh, speaking of the Patriots, uh, you know they played lost to Seattle this week. Uh, you know uh, I think uh, Seattle's is is starting to hit all their cylinders. But I have to I have to chuckle. There's certain quarterbacks who are who are generals on the field, and, and you know Manning was one, and uh, Marino, and and you look at uh, you look at Brady, and uh, somebody somebody jumped off sides, and just the look, the look that Brady gave him. I, and the guy just ran off the field after that. I mean, he knew he, <laughs> he knew he only ran off the field. You know, they kept his butt off the field. <laughs> uh, he just looked. He just, it was like his dad looked at him with just such disgust. Tom Brady loved that team. That's Tom Brady's team. I mean, when you talk about somebody's team, that's his team. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, he he's a man. Look, look. Look, you got to. And what gets me about him is that you can throw the whole draft out when it comes to the draft. Oh, 
Yeah. When I think of Tom Brady, you forget the draft. Look at Prescott now. I mean, look at that. Come on. Here's this guy with eight, with eight and one. How did you guys mess that up? Draftees and coaches and general manager stuff. Jerry Jerry Jones is looking like a looking like a genius. Well, you, you look you look at you, the three teams we're talking about when it comes to draft pick and undrafted players and things like that. You look at where Brady went in the draft. You look at Prescott. You look at what uh, the Seahawks have done with the the, the the guys that they have on the field. That you know regarding yeah. the draft, it's a it's a new era and a new way of playing this game. You can throw the draft right out the window. When you look at the Belichicks of the world, when you look at the Pete Carrolls of the world, when you look at the Jerry Joneses of the world, especially what he did this year, throw the draft right out the window. Yeah. And the same, and it's really amazing. The way Brady got in is the way Prescott got in. The quarterbacks got injured, but but, but Belichick knew what he had. They, they, they knew what he had in Prescott, but they didn't think he was going to do this. I mean – and I think what they've done, I think that's educated the, the, the way the Cowboys draft and scouting. I said, wow, we got a diamond in the rough from the perception of how everybody is scouting people. That's the reason why you got to really know what you're doing when you're drafting people. That's why the Patriots are above everybody else. Yeah. That's why they're above everybody else. And how they trade and move players and, and they put and put pieces and mixes pieces together. And that's why you know, when you see other guys go from, the, go from their team to the Patriots, they flourish. Yeah. Because they got a real oil machine, and on. T- I mean, those guys are masters how they do. It. I mean, the Patriots is my team. That's the my, and that's the team that I love to play for. If I can put the clock back, that's the team I'd want to play for if I was an NFL today. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we we've heard this story so many times about uh, you know when a guy gets hurt, uh, it's, it's still his position to come back. But Bledsoe. Uh, was the starting quarterback, and he went down. Brady came in, and Brady never get, never ever relinquished the reins. Uh, you know, there's talk about uh, uh, Romo. Actually, yeah, Romo kind of understands the fact that he might not uh, he might not be the leader of that team anymore. So, I, I think we hear the fans talk about this. We hear mostly the pundits talk about uh, this. But uh, you know, I handed uh, who's the guy who used to play for the uh, for the Forty ers Was Smith and, and, and I forget what his name was. But uh, and then uh, Kaepernick took over. It's not unprecedented. But why is it always uh, up for discussion? Well, first of all, I don't know. When you want to talk about Colin Kaepernick? Pre- I- I'll tell you what happened to him. His whole thing was just his whole organization. When they let when they let when Jim Harbor left, that's when his. his his career went the right. No, my he point. Went. My point was, is he was the backup for uh, who's the guy who went to the Chiefs, and, and they. Yeah, but I know Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith. Yeah. yeah. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying, after that did happen, but the but the thing is, I'm just saying how organizations are messed up. It's how when you have a quarterback, have a coach, and a system that goes away, and so it, it got dropped off in the ocean. So, so back to your point about with Prescott and with Brady with with, with the. Uh, Brady has done. It was similar to every what everybody happened to everyone one else. You see, uh, the thing is with the Cowboys and the, the, the Cowboys with Romo. This writing there's some about the chemistry with Ezekiel with with Ezekiel Elliott all that with those two guys. Yeah, is why they're gonna keep that together. And see, Romo knows that, and he knows that they put him in there. He'll divide the locker room. And it's from a marketability standpoint, you know, you don't want to lose tickets. Look, it's a business. And now these two these two pieces in doubt is what has been missing. Period. I mean, the, the chemistry is unbelievable. 
The system is unbelievable. You know, Jason Garrett is growing and he's he's learning how to do stuff. Even I'm not I'm, I'm not questioning about how he play calls, but now he's being creative and now he can develop stuff around these two pieces. Right. Another it makes a whole, you know, uh, and, you know, flourish now. I mean, they're a powerhouse now. Now, did you say are they going to go undefeated the rest of the season? They could, maybe maybe not. But the thing is, uh, they're they're an intimidating force now in the in the NFC East. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they, defensive, defensive, defensive coordinators say, okay, now how do we stop this now? You know, we don't we don't have a blueprint on these on this Dallas Alpha. I mean, they just fell in here and just went went nuts, and they're just flourishing like a, a superpower team, and they're one of the teams beating the NFC and the whole NFL. Yeah, and they're they're good. Don't get me wrong, they're good. But I mean, I'm hearing people talk about them like you know Aikman and Emmitt Smith and that whole era. They're not there yet. They're 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 doing well this season. They they, they look like they're gonna they're gonna be rolling into the playoffs on, on all cylinders. Uh, but uh, let's not let's not hand them the keys to the to the you know Canton, Ohio yet, man. These guys are they're still they're still developing. Yeah, you, 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 they're not there, but they're still developing. But man, they're developing at a higher level. But 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 no, they're not those teams. They're not those three Super Bowl teams. But I can tell you, pound for pound, Elliott's bigger than him and faster than him Smith. I can tell you that. And Prescott's more mobile. Prescott's more more uh, mobile than Troy Aikman is. So the two positions, <clears throat> or pound for pound, talent is better. But the overall teams they had, <clears throat> they're not there yet. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of. Uh, uh, Ezekiel's track speed <laughs> and Prescott's ability, those two are better than the two they had that was on the three Super Bowl teams. Well, I'm telling you, it is, this season is, is, is turning out to be a, a surprise in some instances. Uh, you know, we saw some teams struggling early on, and, and now they're now they're they're coming back strong. Like I said, the Seahawks look good this the last couple games. Uh, you know they, they got they're one of the few teams with a tie uh, on their record. Uh, we've had a few ties this year, but uh, you know, is there are there any surprises uh, in the league for you this season? About the NFL, yeah. Well, um, the only surprise I have is Dallas. Yeah, Dallas surprised me. I mean, he did, maybe it's a fluke situation. It's Dallas. There's nobody else. I mean, you know, you got the. Pittsburgh, Ben is still there. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson, he's going to still be what he is. Brady's what he is. But the, the, the team is uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. No one expected those two rookies to be doing what they're doing. Now, they had they had Eric Dickinson on. It was funny. I was, they said on ESPN, told me his, his rookie record is over 1,800 yards. He said, well, you think Ezekiel Elliott's going to break that? Yeah, no way. If he does, I'll be happy, but he ain't breaking it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, something else. And then when they talk about his record twenty, when they talk about his record twenty-one oh five with the with the, the two thousand plus season, he says, "If anybody breaks it, uh, I'll be happy for him." But they're not going to break it. <laughs> <laughs> he still holds on to that. So, so the thing is, you know, Zeke has a shot of. Get, getting to that record, but he's got to have a little luck and he's got to be a little more consistent, but that's not the objective. The way these two are playing for Dallas is the surprise of the league, in my opinion. What about the Raiders? Raiders aren't surprised. I, mean, I think the Raiders are a surprise for a lot of people, too. 
Well, yeah, but 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 it's not like the combination of Dallas what Dallas has done. I mean, yeah, they you know they they they're out of the sun. They haven't been this way since the early two thousands, you know. Uh, but you know, we still got to wait for them. I mean, I haven't. I just all of this, just as far as I'm concerned, is just Carl. I mean, you know, and and the AFC is the AFC is West is strong, but I don't really, you know, I got to wait and see the end of the year. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, in the AFC, look, you got to, you know, at the end of the day, you got to go through Kansas City in the West. And then you got Pittsburgh still it's it's still uh, a beef, you know, because I mean, then you got the Patriots. I mean, come on, this they got to go through a lot of stuff. And you got Denver. I mean, it's you know, it's a lot of stuff to be said. I mean, they haven't done what the Cowboys have done overall. Overall, in in the whole NFL, the Cowboys is a team, in my opinion, yeah, that's been a shock surprise. Now, you know, you just you saw the Raiders coming last year, but I mean, you know. I haven't seen the same combination that the that, that, that Dallas has versus the Raiders. Yeah, I mean they're surprised they're doing better, but still, you know they can they, they can flounder the next three or four games, and that goes for anybody in the league. But I'm saying for, the, the biggest surprise has been Dallas Cowboys overall. Let's uh, I'll take a quick glimpse of this NFC North. You got the Detroit Lions leading with a five and four record, uh, tied with the Vikings with a five and four record. The Green Bay Packers are four and five. And the Bears are two and seven. What what has happened to the NFC North? Well, I mean that's just what the, that's what the whole league would have. The problem is that they would like to see that kind of parity. I mean they like to see that kind of stuff. But you know that's just that's a that's just a weak division. That's all. They're just gonna beat up on each other. You know who knows who's gonna come out of that division? You just never know. This year you just never know who's gonna come out of that division. Yeah. You can't really project anything with, with that NFC North. I mean it's crazy. And then you know all the controversies going on with. What supposed, supposedly, allegedly, uh, controversy got going on between Aaron Rodgers and, and, and the coach? Uh, you know, there's a lot of mess going on up there. It's got to be something. But, you know, and they're four and five, and he and he hasn't played the way he he's played in the past, and and not like uh, uh, you know, not like it, it seems like there's more going on than just just the what's going on on the field. Yeah, well, it seems like, but you never know. I mean, you never know what's going on. That could be all propaganda. That can all be hype, hype. That's that's just a storyline that they're running with, you know. You just know, man, the press got to say something. I mean, they got to create. So they got to create what they do. They got to justify them doing what they need to do. I mean, who knows? It could be nothing, or or, or it could just be, you know, just one of those years. You just yeah. never know. Just one of those. Absolutely. I mean, then they can catch fire. They can catch fire at the tail end of the year. Who knows? You know, they can, they can, they can eleven and five. <laughs> True that. One of the things that always interests me and, and, and always makes me kind of chuckle on one on one side and, and, and disgust me another is when I hear guys talk about you know our, this this quarterback sucks that quarterback sucks look he lost a game you know and he, and you go you say well what was the score of the game it was you know twenty six twenty four well he didn't give away those twenty four points on the on the defensive side so. You know, I think uh, I think a, a lot of it times fans come down on the quarterback and forgetting that this is a team sport. And, and you, you having played the game, and you probably had that kind of pressure, not pressure, but you kind of have seen things written about AD didn't run, get enough yards this week. You know, had he gotten more yards, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, well, you didn't give up the 36 points on defense either. So what, what do you think when you hear people talk like that? Well, they're just naive and ignorant of the game. I mean, you know. Just like I tell people about me, if I'd have played with a Pittsburgh City of Dallas Cowboys, just put your picture me with Dallas Cowboys when Tony Dorsey, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not saying I would do what Tony did, but I would be right there. 
or might have done better. Yeah. You know, so I'm saying, so, you know, I mean, it, it's a team game. You know, I can't run out like I have an offensive line. Every once in a while I can do something exceptional. <laughs> overall, I got to have an offensive line and knock people off the ball. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have that. You know, and, and there's a lot of players in the league who play past and present who doesn't have that. Yeah. Or whatever other. It's the system, the wrong place, the wrong place, the wrong time. You got to remember, sport is all timing. And so a lot of guys ain't getting up. And I, I'm one of those guys that didn't have an opportunity to have that. It's, it's great as the stuff I had coming out of school. I just didn't have the team. When the World Football League, I led the league. I burned it up. Yep. And I had a great coach. And those were NFL guys I played against. But when I got in, when I was in the NFL, didn't have it. Didn't have it around me at all. Then the next door, I'm looking at Tony Dorsett. I'm looking at Chuck Muncie and guys like that. They, they did okay, especially Tony. Yeah. God, I remember Muncie. I forgot all about Muncie. He played for the Chargers, right? Yeah, yeah. Dick Muncie. Yeah. He passed away. Chuck passed away two years ago. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Chuck passed Chuck died of a heart attack. Wow. That's just the But he was a beast. He yeah. was a beast. Absolutely. He played, played a big cow, 6'2", 6'3", 235, and run like a horse. Wow. AD, uh, one of the things that you, you are always, uh, <clears throat> we always have a, ch- a chance to chat about, is your book and your uh, and your uh, you know you, what you what you what you do out there for or to get the word out about concussions, and, and what, what what the league should be doing to help these guys uh, on and off the field. Uh, your book is called uh, "Kickoff Concussion: How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain." Tell our audience a little bit about that and and, and your passion uh, for for helping guys out with this with uh, with this concussion well, business. First of all. We, we talk about all the great players in the league and what we're talk, just talking about now. You know, all the big fanfare and your favorite teams. But one thing I want the fans to know is that when you get out of the, when they get out of the game, a lot of these guys have brain trauma. They have trauma. When you put a helmet on your head, there's trauma. And what I'm advocating is that, that, look, when you get out of the football, when you get out of the game, you start treating your brain. Come talk to me. Come to the Amy Clinics with me and talk to me about that. We're the only ones that have a comprehensive program. Come talk to us. And, and that's the reason why, you know, uh, I did this book. Dr. Amy wrote the foreword on the book. It's a nice read. What I'm advocating across the board is that whenever you put a helmet on your head, there's trauma involved. As great as the players are, you can be you can be Super Bowl champs, you can be this and that, but there's some guys in the corner that are suffering. Now, I don't want to mention any names on radio here. There's some, there's some great athletes out there that you all saw who are who one is a Hall of Famer and one is not, but it was they're Super Bowl champion that are suffering. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys out there that are not that needs help. And, and and what I like to see the NFL do is embrace a program that they help these players while they're currently playing or when they retire. That should have never went to a lawsuit. They should just say they collectively say, look, we need to help these players build our brand. You know, you take care of the people that built your brand. So uh that's what I talk about all the time. As great as these players are, and great as the game is, and the greatest the fans, I want all the fans to know there's some of the guys that you used to cheer for and root for that have been suffering yeah. from this kind of collision. And then outside of that, I mean, you know, we have the soldiers that come back who the United States government should take care of all the time. And you got the normal people, you got the other sports, you got you have hockey, you have uh, MMA sports, you got boxing, you got soccer, you know. And you know they they all suffer these these traumas and stuff. Even even in the soccer, the headers. Yeah. They need all the the headers because that gives you trauma too. And then the one thing that bothers me when I see football, 
the way guys launch themselves now, I mean, they hurt their own selves. Oh, man. And I've seen, I've seen some shots this past weekend. So how did this guy get up? But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a big advocate of it, and, and, and it's a serious issue. we got, we got to take note of that. And if you don't believe me, you go ask Dave Durson's family, Andre Waters, Mike Webster, Junior Seau, all these guys that, that, that are no longer here who suffered. But those are notable guys. But there's other people that have gone too yeah. that suffered. So that, that's it. And you can find that book on Lulu.com, Amazon, and, uh, and that's what I do. Well, AD, let everybody know where they where they can find you on Saturday. Well, this is UCLA SC week now. <laughs> this is Battle for the City. I'm gonna be down at the Tavern Bowl, Costa Mason, signing my Sports Illustrated covers. They got USC jerseys down there. You can come pick your choice of the home and away. This is a be away game because they're playing the Rose Bowl, and then they have on display the Notre Dame Killer Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Notre Dame folks don't like looking at it, but I mean, you know, you know, that's what they like and they wanted me to do. But it's on display, and I'll be able to talk to all the fans and uh, ask them talking football questions and anything else you want to talk about. Absolutely, Tavern Bowl. That's in Newport Beach, right? That's in Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa, right off the fifty-five freeway south. Nice. Ad, as always, man, it's it's a it's a blast to chat with you and, and talk about these things. And uh, we, we will next week is uh, Thanksgiving week, right? So it won't be next week; it'll be the following week. But uh, yeah, as always, absolutely. it's a pleasure, brother. All right, well, thank you very much, Swoops. Take thank care. You, you too. The great Anthony Davis, everybody. It's always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with him and uh, and talk about uh, what's going on in the world of sports. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. And we. We want to thank uh, A.D. and Bob Case for joining us. And uh, we're here most Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. on the East Coast. And uh, tomorrow I will be co-hosting with Xander Gibb on his show, X-Rad Daily. And that you can find on uh, Facebook Live as well as Blog Talk Radio. And that is at 5 p.m. on the Pacific Coast and 8 p.m. on the East Coast. So, uh, as always, dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.